0: Okay, so our first passage is from Ephesians. We're reading from chapter 3 and starting from verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Our next two passages are from Hebrews, and our first is from chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're starting from verse 22. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumer- innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood of that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And our next passage is from chapter 10, so just a couple pages back. We're starting from verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but in encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our last passage is from Matthew, chapter 28. Chapter 28, and we're starting from verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God.
1: O gracious God and heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, that you are a God who uh, lovingly and mercifully gathers sinful people uh, like us. Uh, like the entire humanity, uh, back to yourself through your son. Uh, through the wonderful gospel of his life, death, and resurrection, uh, we thank you that you've done this uh, amazing work uh, of uh, growing and building your church. And we thank you for this opportunity now for us as we look forward to uh, the plant, church plan in the future and perhaps even more in the future after that, that you help us to think clearly about what a church is uh, and what it is to do. And why it is uh, that your word encourages us and motivates us to keep seeing more churches being raised up, uh, not just around Brisbane, but throughout Queensland, Australia, and around the world. Um, and we pray that you help us to hear your word today um, and to be able to rightly understand and view and be part of the church. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And a number of uh, Australians attending church every week is seven percent. Seven percent of Australians attend church uh, regularly every week. Uh, the number of people taking no religion in the census has grown, as you can see, 2011, 22 percent, 2016, 30 percent. And the last census last year is 40 percent people who claim to have no religion, and it's growing. There's an urgent need uh, for more churches, and in particular, there, are, there is an urgent need for new churches. Uh, because new churches have this uh, unique ability to reach new people uh, and see them safe into the kingdom of God. So another survey, the Nat- National Church Life Survey, is a national survey in Australia, shows this. Uh, new churches are five times more effective than established churches at reaching people uh, with the gospel, right? So in a new church, there are five times more people who have never been to church or who have not been to church for many, many years. Uh, Church plants have also resulted in greater numbers of people coming to faith. So in established churches, uh, there's roughly one convert per year for every congregant, for every person that comes to church. Whereas in a new church, the survey shows that between three to four new people come to believe in Jesus out of every 50 congregants. Um, Now, I hope that if you've been around for the last few weeks, uh, you would know that SLE Church is planning to plant a new church. And God willing, it will go ahead uh, in late July next year in a soft launch for a full launch around November. And so if you're new with us today, you might be wondering, uh, why am I here listening to this? Right, What's it got to do uh, with me? Now, whether you're here checking us out um, to join as a Christian, or whether you're checking us out because you're seeking and exploring the Christian faith, uh, I hope that you'll see that you'll be able to get something uh, from today's Word from God, even if you're just visiting and checking us out. Because you'll get to know what SLE Church is on about. right? What SLE Church is on about. It, we'll, we'll see what church is supposed to be. And, and, and if you are a believer, to see whether you want to join us as we church together. And if you're not yet a believer, to see what Christians are on about. Why do we come to church? And why would we love for you to join the church? Now today is the second sermon Uh, in a short two-part series, as I mentioned before. Uh, And we'll be looking at God's Word uh, about church planting. Um, Well, we'll also hopefully get a chance to have some concrete ideas as to where we can go next as we think about the planted church. So last week, the focus was more on the sending church. So Steve, Pastor Steve preached from the perspective of SLE Church being the sending church. He gave us five reasons to go and five reasons not to go, right? Uh, Poor motivations for, for going. But he also gave reasons for why we should consider staying here at SLE Church. Now, a bears reminder over and over that we want the church plant to thrive, but we also want to make sure that SLE Church continues to thrive. Now, many opportunities to belong and to grow and to serve. There will be many needs to be met, whether here at SLE Church or in the plant. The key message from last week's sermon and this week's sermon will be the same, right? Whether you're staying or whether you're going, all of us, Uh, have a part to play. All of us are to be involved. Uh, All of us have to put our shoulder, in a way, to the work. Now, Pastor Steve last week touched on some reasons why we should plant a church. And I'm here to expand that a little bit more, especially from the perspective on the other side, right? The planted church. Now, I've read off some stats uh, right at the beginning for why uh, plant a new church and what the new church plant could achieve. And they sound quite positive, don't they? And quite motivating. But more important than the stats is the Word of God, right? More important than any kind of human statistics and trends is what the Word of God says. So I want to spend some time this morning unpacking the question, what is, uh, or oh, sorry, why plant a church, right? Why plant a church? And to answer that question of as why plant a church, I think we first need to answer, what is a church, right? If you want to talk about planting a church, then what is a church? Uh, what is the church? And then knowing what a church is, then we can figure out what a church is to do. Right? And we can draw some implications then for what this planted church is to do and, in fact, what SLE church is to continue to do as well. So, first question, right? What is church? Now, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. Oh, the font didn't come through. So sad. All right, that should be a Greek word up there. Uh, and uh, it just sounds like ecclesia. That's what it, what it says. Uh, and it simply means... A gathering, right? It's not a very fancy spiritual or religious word. It's a very common uh, word uh, that the Greeks used to just mean an assembly or a gathering. So, even in the Bible, in Acts chapter 19, there is a political ecclesia that gathers that slowly becomes a riotous, protesting ecclesia, right? A group of people, an angry mob came together because they were upset, right, at Paul and other Christian workers. So there's the Ecclesia that's political or becomes a riot, a mob. But then there's also the Ecclesia of God, right? The the group of people that has been gathered by God and to God, right? The Ecclesia, the Church of God. Now, what does God tell us about this gathering, this particular gathering uh, which bears His name, right? The Church. Now, let me say five things uh, about the Church quite succinctly. And if you, as we go through these five points, you could actually preach, or I could preach, a so, whole sermon on each of these points, all right? So we'll, we'll go through them pretty quickly. Firstly, the church displays the manifold wisdom of God. So have a look at Ephesians chapter 3, and I'll start reading from verse 8. To me, this grace was given, right, as we see in verse 7, to be a minister of the gospel, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ Now, the main thing to observe from these somewhat complicated verses, and if you read the passage, it is a little bit complicated, but the main thing to observe from these verses is this. The church of God is how God displays His manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in this place called the heavenly places. The church is God's giant advertising uh, signboard to the cosmos, That's what the church is, a big advertising signboard to the cosmos, to the powers beyond what we can see and touch. Displaying God's wisdom of how he has accomplished his plan, his eternal plans of salvation. So that's what the church is, right? It's a giant signboard to the cosmos of how God has achieved his eternal salvation plans. Because as the cosmos, as the cosmic rulers and bodies, they look upon the world, at the utter sinfulness and the rebelliousness and the unholiness of humanity ever since the first humans, Adam and Eve, they would have seen the impossibility of of humanity avoiding judgment from God. They would have seen the utter impossibility of having any kind of relationship with the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. That's what they would have seen. But God's wisdom was displayed through the gospel of His Son, right? God worked His plan in history to send His Son into the world to save sinners and to gather a people back to God against all odds, against all impossibilities. God does that through the gospel. And this is who the church is. As He gathers the church, we are a giant and glorious display of God's wisdom and grace for all of the cosmos to see. For them to marvel and go, wow, how could God achieve that? That's what the church displays. Now for our second point, turn with me now to Hebrews 12, right? The great spiritual reality of the heavenly church. Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the, whole, of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You notice the church words there? There's two of them, right? There's the uh, angelic church, the festal church of the angels, Then there's the assembly, the church right, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And you notice the repeated beginning of each sentence, you have come. You have come. It's already happened, right? It's a present perfect, right? Have come. Uh, Right now, this is where all believers are. Where have you come to? You have come to the heavenly city, to the heavenly assembly, the heavenly gathering, the heavenly church. This is where all believers of all time are. This is where all believers are. All of God's people, all who are enrolled in heaven, all who have their names written in the book of life, Saved by the blood of Jesus, we're all gathered there at the heavenly church. This is where we belong. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if you know this, right? But that's what Hebrews 12 tells us is our um, great spiritual reality, that we're all part of the heavenly church. Now, it is when we appreciate this great present spiritual reality that it drives us to see that this great spiritual reality is expressed. In real ways, when we gather together in physical local churches, right? We are part of this great heavenly reality, but it's expressed when we gather together in earthly local churches. Now, if you uh, do a search uh, for the term ecclesia, if you know your Greek, or church, if you don't know your Greek, in the New Testament, you will see that the church of God or the church of Jesus is most often used to describe a church that is in a city or in someone's house. And so you've got the church at Antioch, you've got the church at Corinth, uh, you've got the church in Peter's mother-in-law's house, you've got the church in Nympha's house, and so on, right? You read through Acts, you read through the Gospels, uh, well, not the Gospels, but through Acts and through the letters, you will see that's the most common way the church is explained and described. A physical location, a church in a city, or in someone's house. And so, we have all believers that belong to the heavenly church But you can't see the heavenly church. Well, not yet. And so believers gather in local churches to express our belonging to God, to express that we are the heavenly church, the gathered people of God. You see, our great and glorious, eternal, spiritual, heavenly reality is expressed day to day, week to week, when we meet together as God's people. And so then the next passage, right, Hebrews 10, uh, next point, the church gathers to scatter. So let me read Hebrews 10, very familiar passage, I think if you've been a Christian uh, for any length of time. Let me see what it says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, most commonly, uh, when we read these verses or when it's read to us, uh, it's to tell us not to skip church, right? So you throw out this verse, when someone hasn't been to church for a few weeks, do not neglect meeting together, right? I mean, uh, it's exactly right. isn't it? This, that, this passage is to encourage us to make sure that we keep coming to church and we keep going a fellowship group, that we don't neglect meeting together as we ought to. But what these verses also tell us, so that's all true, Right? I'm not saying a but and then contrast. I'm saying that's true and it also tells us that in the light of the final day of Jesus' return and the final day of judgment, we gather gather together to hold fast to our faith and to stir one another up to love and to do good deeds. But the question is, where is it that we are doing this task of holding fast to our faith? Of, of, of loving one another and doing good deeds. Now clearly we do that within the church where we come together and we are here holding fast to our faith and loving one another and serving each other with good deeds. But then we are also doing that in the world, isn't it? We're doing all this in the world. We gather to scatter. We gather on Sundays and for fellowship and for Bible study and for one-to-one so that we can scatter back out into the world to be able to stand firm for Jesus out in the world, but to also love our housemates and our family and our classmates and our colleagues and our, the people we play sport with and do music with and, and, and hang out with, to be able to love them and to do good deeds towards them, and especially in seeing them come to salvation in the Lord Jesus. Isn't it? We gather to be encouraged to scatter to be ambassadors for Christ, to be those on mission for the kingdom. Which leads us then to our fifth and final point about what the church is about, right? We scatter in order to gather. And once again, you'll be very familiar with Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age, or to the end of the age. Now, for most of the week, we are not physically together, right? We are the scattered church, right? To put it in, in one kind of terminology, scattered into the world, into our homes, into our communities, into our workplaces, uh, we scatter out from church to gather more people into the church. We go, therefore, to make disciples of, of all nations. Uh, we are on mission uh, in the world, whether that's to our parents or to our children or to our siblings or to our housemates or beyond. We are on mission right, to gather more people into the church as we scatter out from church we're gathering more people into church. As we go about life, we, we are finding opportunities. Or oh, I hope we are, as, ch- as Christians, as people who, who are part of a church, we, we, are, we are looking for opportunities to gather more people to Jesus Christ. As we draw people to faith, as we get, draw people into the church to explore uh, who Jesus really is, the hope is that they will become the gathered people of God as they trust in the Lord Jesus. So, that's five, right, very quick, fundamental things about church. Like I said, they could do 30 minutes each, uh, but that's enough, I think, for us to be able to understand, I think, a good deal about what church is about. Now, let me just draw out some implications, right, from these five points. Firstly, church is a big deal, right? Church is a big deal. I'm not, I'm not sure whether you thought about that as you rocked as you in here. All right, uh, one minute early on time or ten minutes late during the second song. Right? I'm not sure what your mentality was all right, as you thought about church this morning, as you looked at our kind of rundown building with like, all these holes on the walls and, and with a very funny 80s uh, paint scheme and an uh, old-fashioned sign. Whether you look down on the church? Right? Whether you think lightly of the church, whether you undervalue and maybe even undermine the church sometimes in the way that you speak about it. But you see, God displays His immeasurable glory and His manifold wisdom through us. Through us. Each and every church that truly bears the name of God, that's saved by the blood of Jesus, no matter how small or how big, no matter how weak or how strong, no matter how old or how new, has this identity and purpose. Let's make sure that we never forget the status that we, the church, have because of God. Because it's been given to us by God. Because God has gathered us and given us His name to bear. That He's brought us together by the death of His one and only Son. Secondly then, let's try to see more churches. right? More and new churches, more gatherings of God's people saved by Jesus in every locality around Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, and around the world. Because it is the local church that gloriously displays the reality of the heavenly, eternal church. Right? You can only express that reality now in the present time in local churches. Wherever there is a church, wherever there is a church that bears the name of Christ, the glory and wisdom of God is being displayed. The, the hope and Of life and salvation that shines forth and goes forth from the church, from that body of believers into their communities. As the church gathers to scatter, more people are being gathered into the kingdom of God, into the church. But on the flip side, wherever there isn't a church, there isn't a church. It is tragic. It is tragic, right? There's a black hole where the glory of God is dimmed in that place. And the opportunity for those in churchless areas to come to life and salvation is diminished because there is no local church that is gathering to scatter. So we us to our third point then, right? Which is the question that we want to answer. Why plant a church? Now, knowing what a church is and what a church does then, I hope we can see why church planting is worth doing. Not just one in the centenary area, but many, wherever there is a need, right, for there to be a, a place where people gather, to scatter, to bring more into the kingdom of God. Right, we love to see a church, many, many churches around Brisbane and beyond. A gathering point for the believers, right, to express uh, their belonging to God's heavenly church, but also a gathering point for believers to be encouraged so that we can get back out there in the world, to stand firm for Jesus, but also to be on mission, to bring more people into the kingdom of God. Every church is a community, right? We are a community, and every church has a community that they are a part of, uh, in a way you could call it the natural mission field. Now, let me talk about SLE to start with, right? SLE Church is a community, and we are part, I think, of two communities. Uh, Foundationally and from the uh, beginning of our existence, about 50 years ago now, uh, historically over many decades, SLE Church has had a demographic right? Mission field. It's been a church that's been ministering and reaching out to migrants and international students for a long time. And I guess migrants become uh, ABCs, and so there are a lot of ABCs amongst our midst as well, right? It's a demographic mission field to reach migrants and international students, uh, whether it's people from around this area or whether from further, right? Some people drive 30, 40 minutes to come to SLE because they're part of this demographic mission field. However, in recent years, Uh, there has been a growing aspiration, isn't it, to broaden our mission fields, to see that the mission community around each of us consists of more than just people who are migrants or international students. And so over the years, we've also sought to reach out to people within our social mission field. Uh, Each and every one of us has a social life, I hope, uh, and you'll be reaching out uh, to those people. And we've seen that growth over the years, especially over the last two and a half years with COVID. It's amazing how many more uh, non-migrants and international students have joined us. But what about Centenary Evangelical Church? What about this church plant? Well, this new church plant will seek to have a local mission field, right? a geographic mission field, to not be demographic-based, but be location-based, to be a local church with a geographic mission field. So I'm not sure whether it's clear from there, but that's a centenary area there. And we're trying to be somewhere where we reach out to the people who live in that area and just beyond. But of course, we all have a social life too. And so it's the same, right? Whether it's uh, demographic or geographical based, we are also trying to reach out to people we work with and study with and live with. Centenary Evangelical Church seeks to be a gathering point for the centenary suburbs. To reach out to the 40,000 plus people in that area and the tens of thousands just beyond that's tens of thousands of people who don't know and trust Jesus. If only seven percent of Australians go to church, so seven percent of forty thousand. What's that? Two thousand yeah, hundred people. Oh, let's listen there, right? Two hundred eighty. Whatever. My math sucks. Um, it's been too long. Okay, it's two thousand eight, isn't it? It's going to bug me now for the rest of. It. Anyway, um, sad reality is that this area lacks churches. As we've been we've hearing over the last few weeks of uh, biblical and gospel integrity, right? Healthy churches, uh, vibrant churches that are devoted to maturing God's people as they gather and then for those people to then scatter to be on mission, right, in that area. Now, I know most of you have heard of this already, but it bears repeating and reminding as to why we're doing this. There's a great need in this large local area and we're hoping and praying that under God, this new church will help meet those needs. Is that my timer? Am I up? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, just to let you know, this is not something that we just, we are doing. Uh, I want to talk to you about FIEC, and, uh, which is a, a network we are part of, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Christians. Uh, there is another group of churches hoping to do the same thing, and this is very exciting. Let me show you, okay? So, and I've, uh, this is the part of the world I'm going to talk about in between Brisbane and Sydney. Uh, right around the Port Macquarie, Coffs Harbour kind of area. And this is currently what it looks like for FIC churches, right? healthy, vibrant, gospel-centered, biblical, uh, grounded churches. Right? You'll see a, a scattering of churches there at uh, McLean, McLean sorry, Coffs Harbour, Port, Bonnie Hills, Tari, and Foster. And this is the plan. All right? um, this is what they hope to achieve over the next 10 years. Uh, you'll see, I mean, it's probably too hard to see, but you can see all those red dots there are where churches aren't yet but this is where they hope will be over the next 10 years. The vision is a church within 20 to 30 minutes driving distance in regional, mid, and north coast of New South Wales. Right? In regional areas, 20, 30 minutes is close. Right? So that's what they're hoping for, right? to be able to plant churches so that people can only drive 20, 30 minutes to be able to get to a church where they'll hear the gospel, where they'll be encouraged to live out their faith and go out in the world to be on mission for Jesus. For us and our church plant, we're hoping that people can walk to church or be able to get there between 5 to 15, 20 minutes drive, right? A local church for the local area. All right, so let me just bring things together, okay? Let me sum things up. Final point here, the planted church. What is it to be? All right? why is it to be? All right, what's centenary Evangelical Church to be? Well, it has to be or it needs to be a gathering of believers who express that we are the, the church of God and we enjoy... All, right, uh, all the blessings that comes with being the church, those who have been gathered to God, enjoying God's love and grace and mercy and all the reconciled relationships that the gospel brings about. A place where believers grow in their worship, their devotion, their affections, their love for God and for each other and our service to one another. It is then also then to be a beacon right, of light amidst a world of darkness that the, that, 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 that the church will live with monks. Uh, The Bible has great imagery, isn't it? A city on a hill that can be seen, right? A a light to the world of truth and life. Salt, right, that that preserves all that is good and that makes the tasty goodness of being part of God's people very evident. It is to be a disciple-making church and a disciple-growing church. It is to be a gathering church and a sending church. Now, when you think about it, what the church plant seeks to be is no different when SLE ought to seek to be. And under God, over the last 40, 50 years, I think that is what SLE Church is on about, isn't it? That we seek to be a, a, a local church community expressing the heavenly reality where we do love God and we love each other. We gather to be trained up to serve within the church, but also to reach out to the communities around us. This is what we're already striving for, and this is what SLE Church must keep striving for. And it ought to be what the plant strives for as well. I hope you agree with me that it is certainly worth planting a church and pursuing these things for what we ought to be. So then, what does it need? Final point. What CEC needs. Firstly, this church plant needs intentionality and purpose, a clear purpose. So the planters, so that's myself and my family, and that's Andrew Faulkner from Christ Community Church and his family, The launch team, and when it is formed, those who join the church, we all need to have clarity about what it means to be a church and why we're planting a church here in the centenary area. We'd love for you to pray for us. Pray for me, pray for Andrew, pray for our families, pray for the launch team. Pray that we'll always remain clear with our intentions and our purposes for why we exist. Secondly, uh, we will need support. Right, we will need support for, of everyone praying for the plant. It is no small thing to plant a church. I'm not sure when's the last time you heard about a church plant or you are involved in one. Anyone involved in a plant recently in the last few weeks? <laughs> last few months? Last few years? Never? Yeah, never, right? this hard. It's not done. We, we need your prayer. It, it, it's so much uncertainties and changes and discomfort are many reasons to be anxious and disheartened and to feel like it's just all too hard. It's a bit of a roller coaster, right, for, for me and for Andrew and for all those who are considering going and for all those who are considering people leaving. It's hard for everybody. So support this plant by praying for yourself who are staying and for yourself if you're going. The plant needs support by giving, to get on board with the, the plant plans plants and to uh, sorry, not giving, going, right, going, get on board with the, pl- the plans, to come for the right reasons, uh, to not come for the wrong reasons, if you don't remember what Steve said last week or if you weren't here, please go back and listen, right, to the five reasons why he gave for people to consider coming, five reasons to not come because of, but also to consider maybe staying as well, now come and speak to me or Steve or any of the elders, if you want to chat more about this decision that you want to make. The plant also needs financial support, at least initially, to keep it going or to get it going. Now I don't have details for you now about how much support. And uh, we haven't quite yet set up a bank account for the new church plant, but that will come by that November 6th meeting. And if there's something that you want to do, just some money for it to start, a seeding fund, so to speak, uh, consider whether you want to give a bit of money to that. But of course. Uh, we will need for you to also continue your ongoing support of SLE Church. Because as uh, I and a team of us leave, uh, that we'll, it will leave a, a, a financial hole that will continue to need be met. But there's also one more area of support that's needed. And this is really important, right? It's the area of relational support. And, uh, the plant will cause a degree of uh, emotional damage. <laughs> so I, I think you all need a bit of a laugh, right? We all need, uh, you know, it will be emotional damage, right? When, when we, we, we go and we leave all our friends, at least on a day-to-day level, we won't see each other so much. As you see friends go, people you made, you grew up with your whole life, there will be relational support needed because there will be relational costs to this plant. Sadnesses and feelings of loss, uh, a bunch of other strong emotions that you might go through. Finally, what the plant needs, and indeed what SLE Church needs, is realistic expectations and yet hopeful optimism. It's funny, isn't it? Realistic expectations and yet hopeful optimism. We have to be realistic because starting a brand new church is an easy task. And we're also trying to start a church in partnership with two other churches, Christ Community Church, St. Lucia Bible Church. Apparently, it's never been done before, right? Usually, people just grab your own team, and then you send out from one church. And this is apparently a novel idea. Who knew, right, that will be breaking new ground. It'll be hard, I think, uh, to be able to form this team that will be able to relate well and love and care for each other uh, and, and, and form quick yet deep relationships. It doesn't happen, right? It needs time, and so we need to be realistic about how much time and energy and effort it will take. Being a brand new church that's unknown to the local community, reaching out to an unbelieving world in this uh, present kind of climate, uh, they're all significant challenges that we'll have to face. So we need to be realistic. But we also ought to be, I think, and we can be, hopeful and optimistic. Not because of the stats that I showed you at the beginning of the sermon, and they do sound promising, but not because of that. But because what we are starting is a church, a local church, that bears God's name. God will display His manifold wisdom and glory through it. God will fulfill His purposes for it. Now, whether it's a struggle or whether it's a success, and everything in between, through all the ups and downs, it is all in God's hand. And So knowing this, I think we're going to press on. We're going to press on and planting this church We're going to press on in doing what the church ought to do as we get there. And the the hope is that SLE, CEC, and whatever other church that we will plant, God willing in the future, will continue to glorify God as His people gather here in all parts of the world in His name. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God and heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you are a gathering, God. That even as the cosmic powers um, that look upon this world and see how far it had fallen right from the beginning, the sinfulness, the rebellion, the unholiness, the seeming impossibility, utter impossibility, of escaping your judgment, let alone being in any kind of relationship with you, you have uh, shown how wise and how amazing your plan is. Uh, That through your son, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have gathered uh, lost and dead people like we into your church to belong to you, to bear your holy name, to be able to be brothers of Jesus, to be able to be his body, his beloved. We thank you that right now we are gathered in this great spiritual uh, heavenly reality of heaven, of church there. Well, we thank you that we can express that great spiritual reality as we gather each week uh, in earthly local churches. And we do pray that as we meet here at SLE, we would encourage one another that we would gather to be encouraged, to grow in our love for you, to grow in our convictions, uh, to grow in our love for others, to grow in our uh, um, uh, care for our lost world, that we would scatter out in the world, holding firm to Jesus uh, by being on mission to bring love and do good deeds to those who are lost Heavenly Father as we consider the the church plant plans we once again commit it all into your hands we thank you for the affirmations along the way that we should proceed but we know that ultimately we are dependent on you for whether it it succeeds or not but help us as we continue these plans to have clarity about why your church needs to exist there and what your church is to be and what it is to do And so we pray, Father, whether we stay or whether we go, you will be at work in all of us, helping us to think about what role we can play in being a part of your church and being a part of your
0: mission. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.